The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining. All right. Steve Gravel, Mike Comito, you're now joined on another episode of The Unlikely Innovators. Mike, who do we have on today? Did you almost forget the name of our podcast there? I, did I detect a small pause before? The no, it was, for, it was for dramatic effect. A dramatic effect. Of course, it was for dramatic effect. No, and I will not use dramatic effect now and just get right to it that we had uh, Kate Murray, president and CEO of Stem Cell Network Canada, or Stem Cell Network, sorry, on the podcast uh, today. So it was it was great talking to Kate because, again, I think like a lot of our guests, they get to, they get to in in uh, bring us up to speed of a lot of areas that maybe we're not as familiar with. I mean, I think one of the questions we asked her was obviously you and I have heard of the term stem cells, I think going back, you know, you know, a couple of decades now, but certainly to understand, um, you know, the state of the field, not only with stem cell research, but with regenerative medicine, I think was a really great uh, outcome of the show for us. I think, you know, it's, it's inspiring and assuring that Canada is leading the way when it comes to this work. Um, I mean, I think we could have, uh, you know, the whole the field of 3D bioprinting, I think, is a whole other thing that we could have, you know, spent the spent a few hours on. It, it's just incredible to see where the technology is going and how that's going to facilitate uh, this really important research. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, you know, I did mention, you know, having seen and we have 3D printers in our shops here, but mm -hmm. I can guarantee you none of them are printing flesh. So. Uh, do do look out for that in this episode. And I think what we'll do now is, uh, as she is an excellent science communicator, why would we ever get in the way of Kate Murray, who we're going to go to right now? So we're now back and we're pleased to be joined by Kate Murray, the president and CEO of Stem Cell Network, a results-oriented executive leader with more than two decades of experience working in public affairs and health research. Um, Kate has a proven track record of helping national organizations move their mandates forward. She currently serves as the president and CEO for the Stem Cell Network, as I've mentioned. Uh, since 2017, she has secured $69 million in federal funds to support stem cell and regener regenerative medicine research. Today, she is driving change and growth of Stem Cell uh, Network. Uh, this work will ultimately lead to innovative therapies and technology that will benefit the health of Canadians for years to come. Uh, and throughout her career, Kate has worked to think strategically and act tactically, her efforts have translated into millions of dollars in earned national media and support from stakeholder organizations, politicians, and members of industry. And we're now so excited to have Kate join us on this week's episode of The Unlike the Innovators. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Steve. Great to be here with you. We're really excited to have you. And we obviously want to get into, you know, the work that you're doing to support uh, stem cell and regenerative medicine here in Canada. But before we do that, uh, Steve and I both couldn't help but notice that you are a student of history as Steve and I are. So we want to talk to you about how studying history has helped you in, in your career now, which obviously is probably quite a bit different than it was that you thought it would be when you're studying history, but also how maybe that has also helped kind of bridge the gap into, you know, science communication and politics that still factor into your 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 day-to-day -day life now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great question. And I very often ask myself, how did I get here? <laughs> um, anyway, it, it takes all types of people to enable innovation. And when I was studying history in school, what I was really studying, like you guys were, was people and communities throughout time and what that meant for our civilization and the development of our society. So at the same time I was studying history, I had a side hustle in student politics where I was actually practicing the art of leadership and community building 
which is what history is. It's about community building and understanding it. So for me, it really isn't that much of a stretch that I'm now leading a network because networks are communities. And in this case, it's a community of innovators. And as a community builder, someone who's both studied it and practiced it, it makes sense for me that I'm leading one. And the people who make up the stem cell network, they're really awe-inspiring. And I'm really inspired by them every day. And I'm driven to make sure that their work can benefit all Canadians, whether it's my mom or your neighbor, our colleagues, our friends, or the guy on the street. Stem cell research is really inspiring and I'm glad to be part of it. And I hope that my history teachers would be proud of me. I certainly know my science teachers would be mystified. <laughs> and you know, Kate, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to, to meet you. Um, we, we, uh, we, you know, the name of the show is Unlikely Innovators, but you know, it's, it's so interesting. Every time <laughs> we end up talking through someone's career path, it ends up not being that unlikely anyways. Uh, so, uh, so it should be the likely innovators eventually. But um, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is, um, at least in my mind, stem cells sort of entered my consciousness as a term probably, gosh, you know, late 90s, you know, a couple decades ago for me, and maybe in the public consciousness as well. As well. And I think most Canadians, you know, know the term stem cell, but they're probably not familiar with all of the downstream potential opportunities of stem cell research as it pertains to you know, stem cell technologies and regenerative medicine uh, more broadly. So could you talk about how you know, this term that was fuzzy in our minds is now you know, uh, central to, to the work you guys do and promote? Okay, so um, let me take that up a, a notch for a little bit so sure. that people have an understanding of what stem cells are. Uh, they're the building blocks of the human body. Um, they're cells from which all other cells generate. I mean, that's so cool. You know, whether it's cardiac cells, muscle cells, uh, neural cells, they all start with little stem cells. Um, one of our uh, stem cell networks, early career researchers, she said to me when she first saw stem cells, she thought they were pretty ugly little things. Um, and then, and she didn't know what she was, she, she really thought about it. But then as soon as she saw them differentiate in a Petri dish, she was hooked. And that's it. She dedicated her, her career to stem cell research. And stem cells, they're this technology that powers regenerative medicine. And the field of regenerative medicine is about repairing, it's about replacing, it's about regenerating damaged tissues and organs and cells. So um, when we think about stem cells, we should, you know, equate it with regenerative medicine. Um, there's a whole lot of potential for stem cells and stem cell research. Let's say, you know, to make this real, in case of a heart attack, uh, a patient would lose a billion plus cells. That's a lot of cells. And now there's research going on that if we can take healthy cardiac cells that can be generated from some cells in a Petri dish, and we put them back into that damaged area, we can rebuild the heart muscle. 
that not only changes the trajectory of a patient's life, but actually this holds a whole lot of hope for how we treat and manage heart disease overall. And that, that seems pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, no, it's for sure. It's for sure awesome. And I, I can't wait to hear more about, uh, you know, those four instances, because I think it's it's going from the lab to Main Street that I think is so critical in understanding, you know, the value of this technology as it blossoms in Canada, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, <laughs> our, our science community have been at the forefront of stem cell research from the very beginning. In fact, the existence of stem cells was first confirmed by two Canadians, James Till and Ernst McCullough. James uh, just celebrated his 90th birthday um, with his great-grandchildren last summer, uh, but he's really still very active. And then since that time, we've had so many seminal discoveries by Canadians. Uh, we're really leaders in this field. And I think if we were Americans, the world would know it and we'd have the Nobel Prize. <laughs> well, actually, well, actually, uh, yeah, we are humble Canadians, but, uh, I, you know, because you've already kind of set me up for the for the next question I wanted to ask you. And that was about, you know, the state of, of stem cell and regenerative medicine research in Canada right now. And obviously we can we can begin with those that initial discovery and some of the seminal discoveries that have happened since. But maybe we can take some time to brag right now. And if you can tell us about the state uh, of the union, so to speak, in Canada, when it comes to these exciting fields, uh, I think the listeners would love to hear that. Absolutely. So Stem Cell Network, uh, the organization I lead, uh, did a survey of international experts around the world um, a couple of years back. And what the international scientific community said is, is that Canada's in the top three for stem cell research. They like to collaborate and partner with us because of the quality of our science, because of our culture and our ability to partner and be open and share. Um, we're good at what we do, not just at the basic level too and at the innovative level, but also now as we move forward at translating uh, stem cell research. Um, so some of those discoveries. So for instance, 1992, Sam Weiss, he discovered neural stem cells. This has led to all sorts of new approaches for um, treating brain cell replacements, really important for cancer, for repairing the brain after things like uh, chemotherapy. Um, from there, Janet Rosan, uh, she and Andras Nagy, they proved the pluripotency of embryonic stem cells, confirming that they have the ability to turn into any stem cell type in the body. That's had a lasting impact around the world on stem cell biology. Then we've got people like Frida Miller, who identified skin stem cells, Connie Eves, who discovered breast cancer stem cells, Michael Rudnicki, my boss, pretty cool guy. Uh, he identified muscle stem cells in 2007. And, you know, you guys may have heard of the Royal Society in the UK. Mm -hmm. Charles Darwin. Founding Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Einstein. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So guess what? There's a limited number of those people 
who get to be part of that society? Two of the people I just mentioned, Michael Rudnicki and Janet Rosal, they're part of that society. We have absolute excellence in this country. It's amazing. And we're driving the field forward and we're continuing to do so with so many advances and so much work, particularly in areas like diabetes. And, and just picking up on that, because I think you've given us a really good uh, sort of uh, reason to, you know, sort of thump our chests to, to now. What do you think if you were, and I'm sure you, you look at the market and you look at the sector and you look at the science pretty often and are probably, you know, one of the best people to ask about this. Where, where is the research going? What are the sort of the emerging trends from, mm. from now going forward in regenerative mm. medicine? I mean, they all probably have their basis in stem cells, but around therapeutics and, 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 and going forward, where, where are we going with this? It, it doesn't seem to be cooling off. That's for sure. No, God forbid it cools off. Uh, we're just starting. Um, right. So where's it going? Um, let me tell you about uh, 3D bioprinting uh, from a technology perspective. So this is a really phenomenal technology for the regenerative medicine field. And we have a number of stem cell network investigators who are using 3D bioprinting in their research. Basically, with a 3D bioprinter, we're able to print human tissue, uh, vascularized human tissue that contains millions of human cells. It's mind-blowing to me that we can do this. Um, so we can use that, that material that comes out of the 3D bioprinters to test drugs against it. So how is, you know, how's the body going to respond to this drug or that drug? What, how's an organ going to respond? Um, and we use this in, in, there's a, um, right now, one of the areas we are using this in is for type one diabetes. So aspect biosystems led by two great guys out in British Columbia, uh, Tamar and Sam are their names. They have this thriving company and they teamed up with stem cell network investigators, um, including a fellow by the name of Tim Kiefer. And they've created this technology for creating implantable tissue patches. So these mimic pancreatic islet function. So you need these um, pancreatic islets or beta cells to be able to get insulin production. So they're about, you know, they're small, half size of a credit card or so. Um, and this, they have to be vascularized so they can breathe underneath the skin. So the 3D bioprinting has developed, um, we've been able to develop these, these really unique pieces of technology. Um, and, and so they can go in under the skin and then you can also pull them out so they're retrievable uh, in case something um, goes awry. But they're they're pretty much amenable to, to long-term um, viability and immune evasion. And, and this tissue patch could transform the lives of people living with type 1 diabetes. Everybody knows someone with type 1 diabetes. Imagine if you didn't have to take insulin every day, manage your 
you know, uh, eat a eat a chocolate bar or do whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted it. from a dietary perspective, that'd be pretty terrific. So um, 3D bioprinting is really leading the way and, and is a phenomenal technology. Um, but I can tell you about some others, but I, I, I know you guys have a lot of questions. So <laughs> yeah, and I just, uh, Mike, I remember when we were at a conference once we saw uh, a chocolate 3d printer and i thought that was incredible i can't imagine i can't imagine a bio printer that's incredible yeah yeah really awesome and and you know supporting um this is also work going on out at the university of victoria um by a woman named stephanie willerth and stephanie um she's working on the bio inks and and bio and developing stronger, better bio inks that can be used for this bioprinting. It's it's amazing. Um, this is really driving uh, a driving force in regenerative medicine. That's incredible. And I mean, ink isn't even used as a as a metaphor. There, it's it's legitimately what's coming out of the print heads on these pieces of equipment, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah, it's it really is incredible stuff. So it truly does seem like the sky's limit from where it could go. And I mean, I don't want to dampen the enthusiasm, but I do have a question regarding obviously uh, the adoption of this and the and furthering the research field. Um, but what are some of the barriers that you know that the net that the network and ultimately the community of of scientists and you know Canada at large has to overcome to keep pushing uh, the boundaries and moving forward when it comes to stem cell and regenerative medicine research uh, in Canada and around the world, for that matter. Such an important question, Mike. Um, I'm really glad to be able to talk about this. Access and affordability. That's the challenge. So this science, this technology, it's going to keep developing and developing. And it's going to be at a point where uh, we want to get it uh, as a standard of care. So that if you're in the hospital, you're suffering with a disease, you have easy access to it. The challenge right now from a, an affordability piece is it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we how do we do that with a healthcare system that we're currently seeing that is stretched financially and busting at the seams? Um, access. How do we make sure that these therapies are accessible by for everybody? So equitable access is a big issue. So this is something that we've got to deal with, along with the regulatory hurdles to get them into our system. So this is a new type of technology, and our regulatory system isn't really designed to take these in yet. And so that needs to be understood as well. Um, And that work is going on for the stem cell network we've got a group of amazing policy people in our network and of of ethicists and of regulatory folks. And we're proposing right now to government that we want to work with that group and with others to create a roadmap that addresses access and affordability. Because otherwise we're gonna lose these technologies to other countries. They're either gonna just sit on the shelf and go nowhere and what's the point so we this is disruptive and we need our system our healthcare system our regulators our policy makers to be ready to make sure that they can get properly adopted we at stem cell network are passionate about making sure they do get adopted and that's why we're pushing forward with looking at access and affordability issues and i think just picking up on that if i can um 
so yeah, I already know your answer to this, but I'll ask it in a way so that you can you can tell and and reassure everyone in Canada that it is the case. But um, and maybe I'll ask it this way. So I, I know that Canada seems to have all the ingredients necessary, and I think that's the good work that you're doing in ensuring that those ingredients are talking to each other, that you can build an ecosystem that does this research uh, collaboratively and that the regulators are in place. But does Canada have all the ingredients to sort of lead the world in this field? I know that in the discovery phase, uh, and this is true of many sectors in Canada, we're very good in the discovery phase, but towards commercialization, but not necessarily commercialization, but adoption, do we have all the ingredients to do that that part of the uh, the equation as well? We've got uh, we've got the talent and the know how know how. Um, we have absolutely awesome labs across the country. So yes, you're right. From that perspective, at the innovation end, we are in very good shape. Where we need to up our game is the translation and getting these things into market and keeping them in Canada. So that's about uh, supporting companies. It's about making sure that IP generated here stays here and is developed here instead of going off to another country and then being sold back to us. Um, we can do that. It is possible. We're small. We, you know, we do have challenges. It's we're a smaller country. We've got the, you know, south of the border. They're 10 times the size of us. The market is completely different. That's always going to be an issue, but we can we can manage that. We just um, I, I have no doubt that the commercialization of these products and keeping them here in Canada is something we can do. We look and we work with partners like Edmare and Obio and federal government and CCRM to to on these commercialization challenges. For us, the stem cell network. We provide resources for companies who who need um, the extra funding to get their research done so that the investors have what they need to say, this is the investment I want to make. Uh, so re organizations like ours are incredibly important for that. And working with, a, with an organization like Admare, we're even better situated to pull these, these products forward. Um, so yeah, I think the tools are there. Uh, there's certainly a passion and a willingness to do it, um, but it will take time. And I think the thing to also remember is, is that um, stem cell research, it's, it's not that old. So it's only 60 years here. So like, Give us another decade or so, and uh, I'm I'm sure we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be um, going full throttle. That's that's great. And I do want to I do want to plug that we did have uh, Gordon McCauley from Edmare on the podcast. So these two episodes will link. So if you you want to pick up on that thread, there'll be another episode out shortly uh, with with Gordon from Edmare. But but Kate, one of the things you know I wanted to ask as well is, and again, you know, just kind of noticing in your bio with with your background in science communication, I think obviously, like over the last couple of years, we've definitely understood acutely the importance of science communication when it comes to you know combating you know vaccine literacy, and it's obviously been important in the fight against climate change. And I think you're obviously well aware of some of the misinformation out there around stem cell therapy and regenerative medicine in Canada. So can you maybe talk about how your science communication background has, has maybe helped you in the network kind of overcome some of these misconceptions that the public has about stem cells? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> we like clear, to ask clear, the big ones. Clear the rest of your day, Kate. Clear <laughs> the rest of your day. <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks for that, Mike. Uh, <laughs> so um, we have a, a, the way the stem cell network does it is multifaceted. Um, so let me just say that with stem cell research, it's a new field. Uh, there are not a lot of therapies in the doctor's office that you can tap except for uh, for blood cancers where people have stem cell transplants. They're coming. But there are a lot of people out there who would like to sell you a nice stem cell therapy for your knees and your arthritis and your failing eyes and things. That's baloney. It's not been regulated. Don't do it. You're just getting soaked for your money. Take that money and invest it in something else. Like, don't spend it on a fake private therapy where what they're doing is they're taking, you know, fat cells from you and then they're they're re-injecting them back into you and calling it a stem cell therapy. Crap. Uh, so um, the way that, so my science communications background is uh, and how it feeds into that is, is that we make sure that we are always working with our community and, and putting out resources around things about stem cells and that they are accessible for kids, for adults, for patients. That's why we work with Let's Talk Science on our Stem Cell Talks program, which is really good for grade 11 and 12 students who want to understand that. Um, and it also allows them to take home messages about what stem cells can and can't do back to their families. It's why the Stem Cell Network invested in a a touring museum exhibit a few years back that went right across Canada, the United States and parts of Europe and was seen by over a million people to teach them about what the power of stem cells are and where we're at. It's why we have a set of educational videos up on our YouTube channel that tell you about stem cells and where they're at. But we also provide research money to experts within our community to combat these issues. Issues. And those experts have really driven and influenced policy. So Tim Caulfield, uh, some may, may know him. Tim's at the University of Alberta. He had a Netflix show, a uh, really fun show to watch and um, around these types of issues. And, and, and Tim's work actually helped, along with his colleagues, helped to influence Health Canada in sending out cease and desist letters to these private clinics who are offering unregulated treatments across Canada. Uh, this is really important work. And so we're influencing the, that policy um, and those activities. We're providing the evidence base that's needed to fight back. Um, this is a global issue and it's a growing one. It's one we care passionately about. And it breaks my heart every time I get a phone call from somebody asking me, uh, how do they get stem cells for them or a family member? Because they've been reading something that's really not on the market this moment in time. Yeah, and I just wanted to pick up on that for one second. I know, Mike, you want to ask something else too. Um, but I, I think uh, one thing that we should be uh, optimistic about is uh, we had a number, I think we had 60 students that were high school students from across Canada as part of Shad Canada uh, on our campus earlier this summer. And I talked to two of them that were doing an activity in our uh, chem lab 
And I asked them, you know, what do you guys want to do when you grow up? And they both said, and they didn't know each other that well. They both said that they want to do stem cell research. And I, you know, I, you know, I thought they were going to say, well, I didn't know what they were going to say, but I wasn't <laughs> expecting stem cells. But some of your work uh, is definitely penetrating into high schools, which is great. Oh, well, that's good to hear. So that's, that's fine. That, that means um, my knowledge mobilization person, she can keep her job. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Should be happy to hear that. But but That's speaking right. of knowledge mobilization, Kate, like this episode will 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 appear like in the week in the lead up to Stem Cell Awareness Day. So I we did want to ask you, given the fact that it would be timely to talk about it on on this particular episode, can you talk about uh, I guess you know the the culmination of that day and how you kind of take the education and research you're doing to promote it that day? What can we expect? Uh, I guess in Canada from Stem Cell Network when it comes to uh, Stem Cell Awareness Day this year so that the listeners when they're hearing this on the Tuesday know what to do and to watch for uh, during that week. Well, you need my VP communications here to tell me what she's doing. But we'll, you know, inevitably we'll be promoting um, our researchers. We'll be promoting where the research is going. Um, We'll have blogs out. We'll we'll have video pieces out. Um, We'll do a variety of things with partners like like CCRM to help get the word out about stem cells. And in fact, um, this also aligns right with when we hold our big national uh, conference called the Tilla McCullough meetings. And this year we'll be in Vancouver with over 500 people with us. It brings trainees, it brings industry, it brings government, it brings all of the major labs together into one place to talk about where stem cell research is going. I think that's one of the best ways we can promote stem cell research is through that conference at that point in time, because what it really does is it highlights the excellence that's going on um, and 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 it creates a great sense of momentum. Uh, it builds synergy and uh, usually the demand for uh, our research dollars goes well up right after Tillman McCullough. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And we'll be happy to uh, to promote that uh, when, when the show comes out. Um, Kate, it's been a really good sort of half hour we've had with you. Uh, what we like to sort of leave our guests with is a, is a question that's more uh, informal. And we, we ask most of our guests, when you're not sort of changing the world, doing the fine work you do every day, uh, in your case, promoting stem cell research and regenerative medicine research, what is it that you could find Kate Murray doing in her downtime? Walking the dog. I hear that. <laughs> I, I, I feel seen with that one for sure. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I got, I have a busy family. Uh, we have a blended family, so we've got four kids um, and uh, they're all teenagers. And the eldest daughter, she's um, brought in a boyfriend who I think lives with us now based <laughs> on the refrigerator. Um, so my life is very much about the kids and, and about, uh, about my family. And um, so that's what you find me doing is trying to keep up with them. And I'm driving them around. I'm the ATM machine. I'm your yeah. typical mom. Yeah, yeah. So you come to work to relax like the rest of us. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, Kate Murray, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, you've been super generous with your time, and, and we really appreciate you stopping by the Unlikely Innovators to talk about 
your story and the fine work you're doing at Stem Cell Network. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. This was great. I really enjoyed it. And thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure, Kate. Thanks again. Well, Steve, that was a great episode. Again, if you're listening to this now, the week that it drops, uh, October 8th is Stem Cell Awareness Day. So again, it's an important day to kind of mark uh, celebration of all things stem cells. So the education, the research, and the exciting progress that's happening towards these therapies, not only in Canada, but across the world. So again, keep your calendar marked for that. Steve, I, I, you know, at the end of the episode, again, I think Kate would have indulged us because, you know, I think she, we had some good laughs with her. And when she said that she, you know, spends her time, you know, with her family, but also walking her dog, mm. we didn't ask her what kind of dog she had. Oh. But if, if, if I did ask her, I would have said, before you tell me the name of your dog, show us a picture, show us a picture so that Steve could tell us what kind of dog you have, because yeah. as we've already talked about in this podcast, Steve has an uncanny ability to identify species of dogs just by by looking at them yeah i mean i'm a i'm a certified dog breed identification expert but uh it's no big deal no and i mean i think what the guests don't know is that like that all that happened after you fell out of your treehouse right like as a kid it's been (laughs) yeah 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 it's 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 like when people uh, have strokes and then wake up and they can speak a different language right no, it's uh, it's definitely a, a talent of mine only because I like dogs so much. And I am wrong often. So if you notice when we were walking around Vancouver and I was picking them off, I'll pick off ones that I'm pretty sure I already know. So um, so that's that's how that comes about. But no, it was great to have uh, it was great to have Kate on. It, 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 what I thought you were going to say, I thought we were going to go a bit more morbid. It was. Uh, uh, have you ever thought about cloning your dog when she dies? But that's not that's not at all well, where I, you went. So why bring it up, right? No, I, I that thought had not even crossed my mind at all. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. uh, no, I was I was just trying to plug your your hidden talent. Um, yeah, well, we talk about hockey enough. It's good to talk about me sometimes. Honestly, don't think we talk about hockey at all in this podcast. I would say that's that we don't talk about hockey enough. Like yeah, we need that's, we need that's more. Fair. Yeah, it needs to it needs to morph to a hockey podcast. I think. Well, actually, you know what, now that you say that, I don't want to tease this too much because we haven't recorded with them yet, but we will have a hockey-centric guest coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. And they are an unlikely innovator. So it's not just Mike trying to indulge uh, his hockey side. There is a really great uh, story about uh, ingenuity and innovativeness uh, that we'll bring you. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we go where the story is, right? We're good journalists, so uh, it has nothing to do with our personal interests. It's entirely where the innovation is. I mean, as our good friend Peter Mansbridge would say, yes, that's that's what we do. But no, uh, again, it was a great episode with Kate. So again, if you are hearing this this week, uh, Stem Cell Awareness Day is coming up. Uh, And if you're hearing this at any time, uh, stay tuned uh, for more exciting stuff that's coming out of Stem Cell Network. Uh, and the important research that's being done in Canada and around the world when it comes to stem cell research and regenerative medicine. Also, stay tuned for the next episode of The Unlikely Innovators. Goodbye. The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel, presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining.